Hello and welcome to episode of Roman Wick of the Cost for Pointcast. I am Trevor Shackles of Hockey Buzz, joined as always by my co-host Colin Cudmore of Silver Seven Sens. So Colin, the 2018-19 season is mercifully over. How are you feeling about it? Well, it was certainly a long one, and it was certainly uh, not the nicest one for, of course, us Suns fans, but um, I guess what we're just going to do today is we're going to go over um, what the season was like. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's good to have playoff hockey, of course, unfortunate the Suns are not in it, but uh, we're going to go through just what uh, happened with the Suns all through this year, because it was quite the uh, eventful season, just kind of what, uh, um, yeah, just, it's kind of looking forward um, what's yeah. going to happen with this team. I mean, th- there was obviously not a lot to watch in terms of a uh, potential playoff team this season, but that doesn't mean there weren't interesting storylines. I mean, you could make the case that Ottawa was the most interesting team this season just because of off-ice things and, and the trades that they made and, and things like that. So, yeah, definitely a intriguing season and one that will shape the, the, the franchise for the next decade, really. So, um, yeah, let's, uh, you know, I wanted to talk about some positives and, and negatives from the season, um, answer some listener questions later in the show, uh, also go over some sends awards um, for uh, players players on the team, and then briefly talk about the Belleville Senators as well. So um, let's get started with the positives from this season. So I, it doesn't have to be in any particular order, just sort of whatever um, com- comes first in your mind, but let's just talk about some positives slash biggest surprises, um, positive surprises from this season. So what would be at or near the top of your list for that? I mean, the, the, the biggest one is, is just the young players coming up and that, that involves a lot of things, but I guess in the forefront of that was Thomas Shabbat turning into just a legit uh, number one defenseman and probably even like a, a star in this league. Like he was named the all-star team mm-hmm. um, scoring at incredibly high levels, especially at the beginning of the season. It kind of cooled off at the end, but um, he's only, he's still only what, 21, 22. And he still um, has, he still has room to grow for sure, but uh, um, yeah, I just remember last season he he played quite a bit of time last year, and it's uh, he definitely had all the tools there. It just wasn't really flowing as well, and he wasn't necessarily getting as large of an opportunity. And now, um, of course, he was really given the biggest opportunity on the team as their number one defenseman, and to see him excel at such a level that he did was uh, um, is going to be really great for this. Uh, franchise going forward yeah i mean you wouldn't expect it's it wasn't going to be easy to replace carlson as you know their number one defenseman and i don't think i don't necessarily think shabbat is going to become the next eric carlson um but i i I do think like you said i think he's a number one defenseman right now i mean if we're uh you know if we're if we're calling a number one defenseman one of the top 31 defensemen in the league i i think he's easily in there it's probably sure i don't know I could say, you know, you could easily say he's around 20th or somewhere around there. Um, so that's, yeah, that's huge for the franchise moving forward. Um, for me, I mean, obviously, I, probably about as important is the uh, the emergence of Brady Kachuk. And I think that people were definitely intrigued on him coming into the season. And I was definitely willing to, to see what he could do as a 19-year-old. I think I I would have been happy or sort of expected maybe around 35 points. And he ended with 45 points, but in only 71 games. So I, I believe he was on pace for 52. 
uh, in a full season. So like that is pretty impressive for a 19 year old, especially uh, considering the last 23 games without Stone, Duchesne, and Dezingle. He had 15 points. Um, so like that's that's pretty solid production. And just I mean it, it's I don't know if it's necessarily the best comparison just comparing him to his brother. I feel like that a bit lazy, but. I mean, you look at Matthews, um, you know, his, his his learning curve early in his career, and this is his third season, and he had, I think, I want to say 77, somewhere in the 70s uh, in points, and if Brady can reach that in a year or two, I mean, he's going to be easily uh, one of the best players on the team, and he's going to be vital for this team moving forward as well. Totally, and... I'm I'm probably not as high on Kachuk maybe as as much of the fan base, but like it's still hard to deny how how much he exceeded expectations. Like even even when he was drafted, we knew he'd be the most NHL ready player in the entire draft just because of his his age yeah. and just his 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 like physicality and the way he plays. But um, yeah, if you told me at the beginning of the year that Kachuk was going to um, put up as many points and and uh, and be put in the position that he was with uh, uh, so few. Uh, basically no decent line mates at the end of the year and still excel um that's that's still something to uh really be excited about yeah and i i think that um he definitely has, has proven a lot of people wrong this season um you know you know myself included i i didn't think he was coming into the draft i didn't think he was a bad player i i thought he was well, more of, of maybe a, a 10 to 15th overall pick kind of guy um but i still i wasn't totally sold on that upside um but if anything i think i'm from you know from the sounds of it i think i'm more high on him uh compared to you and so yeah like i i think he's he's shown this season that at least his his floor was always there he was always pretty much guaranteed to at least be an nhl player but to me I'm excited that at least it looks like his his uh, ceiling is a bit higher. Oh, for sure. And um, a big hole that, of course, Mark Stone left was just that being that possession driver on the Sens. And uh, it looks like Kachuk is also kind of filled in that role as well. It's, yeah. Uh, like his expected goals numbers. I mean, he plays in front of the net, so of course it's going to be really high. But uh, even his Corsi percentage, it's uh, uh, over the course of the season that was 49.21%, which like. For the Sens, who were <laughs> is good. <laughs> uh, so the Sens were debatably the worst defensive team of maybe all time. Yeah. Last season, and for Kachuk to to be at the top of that list is uh, is uh, pretty inspiring. And of course, I, we we do know he played with Stone for for most of that. But um, yeah. So I, I I guess one more player, um, uh, kind of moving away from the young players a bit. Uh, someone that surprised me, uh, coming from the return of the Carlson trade was Dylan DeMello, who. I, I mean, he's I think, even when he was traded to Ottawa, he kind of felt like one of those guys that would be uh, a bit underrated around the NHL. Like he was not qualified by San Jose, which was yeah, <laughs> which was a bit surprising even for for like San Jose at the time. But uh, um, he just always had uh, these underlying numbers. Um, he, yeah, and um, I mean, he he really he he really kind of played well with Shabbat on that top pairing. They seem to really be a good fit for each other. He's kind of like. Um, I don't know how you put it, but uh, just just they, they kind of had that chemistry, and, and Demelo could uh, kind of enable Shabbat to do his uh, the right-handed offensive. Mark Mathot. I mean, I have my other thoughts about Mark Mathot with Carlson. <laughs> but, yeah, but uh, like even Demelo, he there would he wouldn't be afraid to jump into play every now and then and kind of mm-hmm. stick around 
um, and uh, fielded some passes. Um, but uh, yeah, he he really impressed me. He was able to log big minutes, which he didn't do on San Jose, which is uh, uh, a good sign. So um, to me, he just seems like something that uh, just a player that uh, would be good to have in the fold moving forward. Yeah, and I think that moving forward, um, once Ottawa is you know, back to being a, a competitive team and a, and a team that wants to go deep in the playoffs. I, ideally, I wouldn't want DeMello on the first pairing with Shabbat necessarily. Um, no, no, no. But it, it's still nice that I think he's easily a, a very competent second or third line um, defenseman. Like if he's on your if he's on your third pairing, um, that's then like you're in really good shape. Um, hmm. And Ottawa is definitely lacking in options on the right side. And like the only person in the organization right now who could maybe fill the role on, on the first pairing long-term is Jacob Bernard Docker. Um, but you know, that's, uh, that's asking a lot of him uh, mm-hmm. considering he's, is he, he might not even be 19 yet. I'm not totally sure. Um, but yeah, like DeMello, DeMello is still, I want to say, is he 25? He's still pretty young. Uh, yeah, he's 25 still. Yeah, exactly. So like that's that's at least a guy that you can have around. He he's not necessarily going to be he isn't someone that you know is ideally one of the best pieces in the Carlson return, but he's still helpful and he should be helpful for helpful for quite a while. And also, I think he'll be decently cheap just cuz he doesn't put up many points. Yeah, for sure. And, and at the beginning of the season, it was kind of him, CC and Chris Wyben that were on the right side and that that really kind of did that really didn't seem good going into the season so to have yeah. uh, one of those three players at least have a good season was uh, i think very beneficial for sure and uh so moving back to um some some younger prospect talk uh i this season for prospects in the senator system i think it was one of the best that we've seen in a while there were there really weren't that many guys that had down seasons and there were a bunch that you know, their stock rised. Um, first and foremost, I mean, how can we not talk about Drake Batherson? Um, he ended up with, did he end up, I think he ended up with 62 points in the AHL. And I'm just going to double check that. Yeah. 62 points in 59 games in Belleville as a 20 year old. That is incredibly impressive. Um, had the nine points in 20 games in Ottawa as well. Um, he obviously was not nearly as effective after his first few games, but I think next year he's going to be, you know, in the top six in in Ottawa for the entire season, and I, you know, he he's really put himself in that next tier of of prospects. He's he, he became an elite prospect this season. Um, other guys like Logan Brown had a, had a pretty solid season. Marcus Hogberg was fantastic for uh, for Belleville down the stretch. Um, Rudolph Balsers pr- had a prim- pretty similar season uh, in the minors to last year, and then even showed a bit at the NHL. Um, Alex Fermentin, again, solid in London. Um, yeah, Eric Branstrom, obviously, uh, you can't, you can't miss him. He didn't spend too much time in Ottawa's system, but he, I don't see why he won't be in the NHL next season, um, for, for the majority of it. So, uh, I don't know, were, were there any other, I'm sure I'm missing some that were impressive. Who else uh, stood out to you this season? I mean, heck, heck, even Nick Paul felt like he took a step forward this oh, year. Oh, man, yeah, Nick Paul was great. And uh, real Spelzers, looking not out of place in the NHL. Yep. Um, Jack Rodewald, like, where did his name come from? True. Like, uh, but it, it's, uh, like, these past two seasons have, have been pretty big because it was a lot of um, 
prospects are performing in junior, kind of moving to the pro level. So it's nice to see guys like Drake Batherson and Logan Brown and, and Philip Schlappick even. Mm-hmm. I mean, Schlappick was is. I'm still down the stretch. He struggled. Yeah, yeah. You can make a case for him being on the NHL roster next season based on his skill set, but like, uh, yeah. But the, for sure, it was it was definitely a good year for prospects, and like it also gave some of the best moments of the season too. Like you think of uh, Batherson scoring in his first NHL game. Same thing with Max Lejoie. Both were, uh, um, yeah, just so probably those are my personal favorite memories of the season. Yeah, d- definitely. Those were. Uh... I I remember at that time thinking that uh, this was you know Lajoie was gonna have a really good season after that point, and I think definitely playing with Cody Cc didn't help his development this season. Um, yeah. It was good that he spent most of the year in the NHL, and I, I still I'm not I don't know I, I my mind is in a weird spot right now with Lajoie because I think he's not quite as good as. Shabbat, Willannon, and Brandstrom, but I still think he has a shot to be uh, a decent player. So I don't know. I, I go back and forth between him, but you're right. Um, you know, seeing him score a bunch of times in his first few games, that was pretty crazy. Yeah, and he's still super young as well. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, how old is he? he he's probably, yeah, he's 21 right he's now. He's 97. So. so, yeah, I think he's turning yeah. 22. Yeah, and like, there, there have been some players that have, uh, you think of Andreas Englund, for example, who, who's uh, a few years older and is still being considered a prospect, even though yeah. he kind of does it out. Not much of like, a prospect. It, it, there's still plenty of time. And uh, yeah, I mean, Drake Batherson, I, I, I agree with you. He'll probably be in the top six, maybe even next season. Mm-hmm. But uh, he'll probably win Rookie of the Year. Um, yeah, so unfortunately, that's where our list of positives stops. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, yeah, it, it was all about the young players this season, but we have quite a few negatives because yes. uh if we haven't discussed it enough on this podcast uh this sense team is is in a bit of a, a tie fire situation right now so i mean starting with the obvious finishing in last place um yeah it, it's at the beginning of the season just looking at the projections everybody predicted the sense to be last place and it, even though it kind of felt like they were the worst team in the league you know hockey's kind of random and totally they could finish like bottom five bottom 10 who who knows um especially if uh stone duchene and and uh i mean even carlson wasn't traded at the time for most lots of projections too but uh um yeah the last place finish is really it, it, it just stinks it doesn't feel nice to lose all the time and no yeah and, <laughs> well, and, it, and it sucks that it's it feels like it's going to be this way for the next few years but uh, at least the next few years yeah. yeah, I mean, for sure, uh, this this coming season it'll it'll be pretty damn bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, the one the one silver lining from that negative is the fact that you know they're only quote quote unquote only uh, giving up the fourth overall pick to Colorado this year. <laughs> it's funny that that was like I legitimately celebrated when I you know I jumped up and I was like yes like when they. Uh, when it was uh, found out that they weren't giving up a, a top three pick, just because, I mean, obviously, okay, they're going to be giving up a good player at fourth overall, someone like Dylan Cousins or Bowen Byram or one, one of those guys. But just the fact that if they did give up first overall, that just would have been talked about for years and years, and we would never hear the end of it. And yeah, I mean, it's just 
the optics of giving up the first overall would have been a lot worse. So, yeah, and, and also, I mean, the fact that they made the right call by taking Brady Kachuk rather than uh, giving up the their pick last year because, you know, the math was on their side for, for keeping the pick and giving up uh, the one in 2019. So I'm glad that they um, that process actually sort of worked out for them. Oh, for sure. And yeah, the, the odds were in their favor. I, I talked to a bunch of scouts about this last year at the time, and uh, most of them wagered that it was a bad decision just because of the of uh, the, the prospect of getting Jack Hughes or Capo Caco is just so incredible that yeah uh, that it just wouldn't be worth it. But yeah, so it's 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 good that it turned out in the end. Um, personally, I'm not too attached to it, even if it finished in those first two spots. I mean, the sunk cost is a sunk cost, but uh, yeah, it, it would have stung a, a bit more, but. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's just in retrospect, it's just a really unfortunate situation. For sure. You want to take the next negative? Well, <laughs> every, it's your favorite player. It's oh, my yeah. favorite player, uh, Cody Cece. Uh, still here. I, honestly, that was also kind of one of the positives in a way that right before the trade deadline, when he was healthy scratched and that uh, we kind of celebrated for a moment, except that... For a uh, moment. Brief moment. For, for, for a very brief moment, we were given some joy but uh no cody cc is still here um he's an rfa again um rumors are circulating that a long-term extension may be coming up pretty soon five by five um evolving wild amazing follow on twitter um yes just po- just posted their salary projections today i think we're predicting oh, nice. like five, okay cool like uh five years and i think it's 4.2 or something like that million they're projecting cc to get so um if the Suns even overpay what the predicted assessments are giving CC, that is a that's uh, not going to be good. The the silver lining, I guess, is that if they can't come to a contract extension with CC, like they haven't been able to with basically every player so far in the past like year, then it looks like they'll be trying to trade them. So, um, I mean, let's hope let's hope that this, this is the negotiation that goes the same way it did with uh, like Carlson, Stone, Duchesne, yeah. and Zingle. I mean, it. I think I tweeted this a few days ago, but it is. It would just be a huge slap in the face to the to the fan base if, after not being able to keep, you know, Carlson, Duchesne, Hoffman, Stone, Dzingle, all these guys. Well, Hoffman shouldn't really be included in that, but um, the other four though, uh, they're you know they're not be able to keep those guys, but then they're able to re-sign Cody Cece, who's probably at this point the you know the most disliked player on the team. And if they're able to re-sign him for five years or whatever, I mean, yeah, just just a massive slap in the face. Like that's not that's the opposite of what the fans want. And yeah, I mean, you know, I I, I get comments sometimes on on my posts uh, at Hockey Buzz when whenever I, I say something negative about Cody CC and like oh like stop ragging on him. But I mean, like like I've said, like again, I'm separating the person from the player. I'm not I'm not ragging on him as a person. I. You know, from all accounts, seems like a good dude. Whatever. But, you know, like, it's it's just impossible to not talk about this because this is this is indicative of, you know, how Dorian and, and the rest of the front office evaluates players and the fact that he's still on the team. It's, it's just baffling. And, like, you know, I've talked about this for probably, like, the entire time that this podcast has been around. It's almost been three years. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, it's crazy. And I... I'm not going to give the the senators the benefit of the doubt until he's actually off the team because I wouldn't be surprised at all if if he's re-signed for 
you know, more than three years or something. Yeah. And I mean, they got to hit the cap for somehow. But I mean, there was a bunch of veteran guys. But this is this is not the way to do it is what we're saying. Yeah, especially especially if it's a long term deal. Um, I guess the next moving past CC because I, I think we talk about him uh, a lot. Quite a bit here. <laughs> <laughs> um, one guy that we got in the trade return that just did not pan out in any way that we expected, uh, Mikhail Bodker, uh, received in the Mike Hoffman trade the questionable return um, as as the veteran. Um, yeah, he, he just really didn't pan out like at all like how we expected like some i remember some projections at the beginning of the season kind of put him in that in a top six role kind of like where mike coffin was because vodka in the in the past has put up like 40 plus point seasons yeah so but he just really didn't live up to that at all and uh by the end of the season he just uh was on the fourth line he was a healthy scratch um it wasn't effective at all and Especially for a player who's not even thirty yet, he he won't be thirty until December. I know. <laughs> you think he's bit, older? Like it just seemed a bit unexpected that he'd have such a big fall this hard. And I, I mean, to his credit, he still did put up thirty-five points um, on the season, which is only two less um, than last year. And I think that's actually even a higher point per game. Just yeah, seventy-one games. games. Season. But like points aside, like his results on the ice just didn't scream effective at all he just really didn't look like uh someone who should be in a top six or at times even in the top nine and he just kind of seemed like one of those contributors to that really poor defensive season amongst the forwards yeah totally he he's someone that you can't really just look at the, at the point totals um and i understand that that's hard uh for fans who are just looking at his stats page but uh you're right he he was a big contributor to one of the reasons why their team defense was so bad. They just, they have a lot of players that, um, you know, forwards and defensemen that are, you know, just give up way too many shots when they're on the ice. And Bodker is, is one of the biggest culprits there. Um, and yeah, it's just, it, it's a bit frustrating that, you know, he has one more season left on his contract and I want to say he's making, it's definitely over four, correct? Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, four, so yeah, four, four million exactly. Yeah. Okay, so, so four. Yeah. So I mean, that's not nothing, and like I don't think teams really want to uh, to take that kind of salary on. So I don't think he's even going to be uh, traded. And I, I just think it's hilarious that I'm pretty damn convinced that the reason they targeted him was because he had those two hat tricks against them. I think in like the twenty, maybe twenty sixteen seventeen season, or maybe yeah, fifteen right, sixteen. Yeah around that time yeah yeah so i'm 100 percent convinced that's that's why you know they have a a high opinion of him and yeah he you know didn't really do much this season yeah and the next one on the list that we have here you wrote this one down trevor because i don't really agree with this but you wrote john gabriel yeah. pajo and from my perspective i mean he missed a lot of time he came back way earlier than we expected him to it's, the injury was unfortunate and by the way just the way i'm looking at it he seemed like kind of the opposite of vodka where he didn't really provide much offensively especially compared to uh what he's done previously but defensively he's kind of i think i found he was one of ottawa's best players this season personally i just wondering what what your thoughts are on that yeah i don't know i mean i okay there there weren't like too many players that were like massive disappointments in the sense that like from what we expected at the beginning of the season to to what the actual results were um you're right he he's especially in comparison to the rest of the roster defensively um he, he's good there he made the penalty kill better um and that and that's good 
Um, I, I was just a bit underwhelmed with the offense. 12 points in 39 games. I mean, that's that's what, like, I think 25 points um, in a full season. It's just a bit worrying to me that this is the third season in a row that his, his point totals have dropped. Um, and, you know, like... So he had 43 points in 15-16, and like that's definitely his his high point. I don't think he's gonna gonna reach that again. But you at least want him to get maybe 30 to 35 or somewhere around there. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. Like moving forward, um, if Ottawa isn't gonna have, you know, a really franchise uh, first line center, if they're just gonna have a bunch of Colin Whites and and um and Logan Browns and uh, Josh Norris's Chris down Tierney. the middle or yeah Chris Tierney, I'm not that comfortable having Pajot as a third line center. If he's the fourth line center, then then I'm a bit more comfortable. I just I I'm gonna need a bit more offense from him if he is gonna be that third line center. That's all. Um, but I do agree defensively. Like he he's not a useless player. Um, but I I would like to see a bit more offense. So if the Sens are coming down to uh, draft season and they're looking to trade a player um, like if, if the rookie's looking good would you rather shop Pajot or Chris Tierney or would you 100% keep both Chris Tierney I I mean he had 47 points I'd be curious to see what teams would offer for him honestly just because they might not Tierney's definitely not nearly as good defensively um, so sure. yeah I'd, I'd be curious to see what they could get I like you don't really need both of them honestly moving forward um just because you have white and, and brown and, and norris and probably another center in this draft or next draft as well yeah uh, yeah i i think i agree with that and, and uh, uh tyranny and bodker kind of uh were, were, it was those two and, and bobby ryan on the line together for most of the first half of the season that were really really being <laughs> caved in defensively like yeah. like 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 crazy amounts like it was like they couldn't get the the puck in the offensive zone or do anything with it yeah um, but uh yeah so it's so enough with that but i think that um the other player that we yeah the, yeah just one more player that i have no idea why he's even on the roster still uh <laughs> like it, it's, it's ben harper is who we're talking about like he played 51 games this year 51 like i remember two years ago he was still playing Binghamton Senators, and he he was just starting to get some games with Ottawa, and like he di- he didn't look like an NHLer like at all. He barely even looked like an AHLer. Yeah. He, like, and to his credit, he has come a bit of a way since then. His, his skating has improved, but that's kind of gone from like should should barely be a pro player skating level to kind of like maybe semi competent in the AHL level skating, and. It, it it really shows like on the ice. He he really stands out as someone who just like can barely do anything. It seems so. Um, I don't know. He he he's uh, has he hit a hundred games yet? Hundred and three. Hundred three games in his yeah. NHL career. I mean, kudos seven to, points. <laughs> I mean, kudos to Ben Harper for. Mm-hmm. I mean, being big, I guess. Yeah, and you know, making money. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it, it it's weird. Um. I just, I am not as opposed to having Borvieski as like the seventh defenseman as I was in the past. Yes. But same. you absolutely cannot have Boro and Harper on the roster. You know, okay, next year they're going to be bad, whatever. The year after that, though, there's no way they can have that because, I mean, Harper's a left-hand shot. I know he's played on the right side before, but mm-hmm. on the left side, they have Shabbat, 
Brandstrom, Lajoie, and Wolanin. Like, and then probably Boro too. So, like, where do you have room for this guy? Yeah, I, I really don't know. But I guess if they're going to get keep giving him one way contracts, it's only one way to. Uh, <sighs> yeah, jeez. Uh, find out. So. Uh, yeah. Uh, um. Definitely another uh, negative this season was another fired coach, um, and that is Guy Boucher. And I mean, I'm assuming that you were pretty much done with him last season too, right? Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. But I mean, it was I, it was an inevi- inevitable. Yeah, I I think so, and it was I think it came down to a lot too. He just had one more year in his contract, and he didn't pretty want much. to do another replacement. But like, it it felt like he had one job, which is to play the young guys. And he did to some regard. He gave opportunities to guys like Lajoie, and he he really put a check out there, and he he started playing some of the other rookies and giving when Jordan would call them up. But mm-hmm. like they, they were even just system wise, it, it seemed he didn't. He was super complacent with with the results he was getting, and he wasn't trying to change anything. And even if he did try to change something, it just did, wouldn't work. And um, I know I, I think back to that 2017 playoff run, and Guy Boucher was legitimately a, a, like a good coach, right? Am I, am I the only one who thinks that? Like, I mean, I get. I don't. It's hard to put myself back into that mind. I I would tend to agree, but then again, it's. It's hard to say just because that roster was so different and they didn't really have any rookies. I'm pretty sure they had nobody on their ELC. So, I mean, I, I guess he was a good coach. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just remember his his system and, and the way he was able to u- utilize his his players, particularly Carlson, and and uh, and, and, and just how he was able to um, kind of try and make that, especially those like defense to offense transition so quickly. And we just didn't see any of that this year. And like he, he even still had some players who could do that kind of stuff. Like especially with Tom Shabbat and with uh, uh, guys like Brady Kachuk and Stone Duchesne and, and, and Forwell. He still had room to work with uh, um, mm-hmm. some things. And I don't know, he just he just didn't show like anything like that gave me any sort of confidence as him as as someone who I'd even as someone who should even really be getting an interview in with any other NHL teams. No, and. I, I mentioned this today in in an article I had. Uh, you know, you can go read that if you haven't, folks, on, on on Hockey Buzz. But I was talking about how, out of the seven, uh, the past seven uh, Senators coaches that have been fired, none of them have gotten a job as an NHL head coach since then. The last one to do so was Jacques Martin, and I'd be absolutely floored if Boucher ever got a head coaching job in the NHL again. Um, you know, he's pretty much been a one hit wonder wherever he goes. So. Um, yeah, you know, wish him all the best, but he wasn't wasn't the right fit for this team. Yeah, and I guess the big kicker to everything this season was, of course, that uh, week of the trade deadline where uh, the Suns basically tore our hearts right out of our chests and stomped all over them when they uh, traded Mark Stone, Matt Duchesne, Ryan Dezingle, and I guess we could even go further back and add the fourth big UFA loss of Eric Krausen at the very beginning of the season. I guess yeah. we count we count that as part of this season, right? So yeah, for sure. Um, to, to see the opening day training camp with those four players on the roster and to see the roster now, it's just it it, it really hurts. And mm-hmm. that I I feel like that's what this season is going to be remembered for most, just because it, it was it, it was such a historical level of a fire sale. Like yeah, has I don't think there's ever been a fire sale this big, like ever. No, no, honestly, because, you know, TSN and Sportsnet will talk about, oh, it's going to be a big trade deadline. Like this team could trade a bunch of guys. And, 
you know, maybe they're trading, I don't know, Patrick Maroon or something. They aren't giving up, you know, uh, the best defenseman in the game, the best, like, defensive winger in the game, a uh, number one center, and, like, another top six left winger. Like, that just doesn't happen. And speaking of which, Stone got uh, a bit off track, but Stone got nominated for the Selkie Trophy, which... Uh, Thank God, yeah. Hashtag well Selkie Stone. Yeah, for sure. Go, go Stone. Vegas in the playoffs, too. Yeah. Um, like, I guess sort of related to all this is just that the whole Eugene Melnick saga. Melnick is still here. Um, I, I'm visibly cringing right now just thinking about it. Um, <laughs> but it, uh, I, I don't know. It, it, it was good that he kept quiet for most of it. Uh, then, of course, um, just, we, we all know what's happening with Melnick. Um, he's still here to stay, unfortunately. I, I, I don't know. It, it just felt like we were watching the off-ice issues way more than most teams have to and well it's totally fine and i actually kind of get some enjoyment out of that it just it, it doesn't feel like a rooting for a sports team at, at this point yeah and it, 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 it's yeah that, that's i mean that's all you have to say it, it's just a lot of apathy right i mean going back to the trades i i mean part of the reason why i didn't really feel much when those trades happens was because we were prepared for it for, for months talking about these guys potentially being traded, but it was just a weird sense of, okay, I've accepted this. You know, I, 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 I feel nothing anymore. You know, there's nothing that in, in a weird sense, that was one positive from the season. Just the fact that like leaf fans couldn't, no matter what they said, it, it didn't matter. They, they could say anything about, Oh, how Ottawa sucks or whatever. <laughs> that's not going to affect us. We We're know that, already. Right? Yeah, we know they do. Exactly. It's like, yeah, we agree. It's like when you stand up to the bully who says, I don't know, you're a loser. And you're like, yeah, yeah, of course I am. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're just putting it right right back in their face. And um, yeah, I, this feeling isn't going to change for, for, you know, at least a couple seasons, I think, or or at least until Melnick sells. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a quite a strange feeling over the past year that i've had and i'm sure the whole fan base has had and, and just all the side stories too yeah like, it, it, it didn't stop with just the melnick effect in the on ice team like we and, and this, we had a lot of this last season too especially but uh, i think about the uber situation like how much of a disaster that was for the sense i mean i, I found that kind of funny but um, <laughs> yeah and it was and, hilarious <laughs> but uh, i mean still just to have that weird negative media attention directed towards the sense there was the whole um twitter bot thing that ensued afterwards which yeah. again funny but like we're, we're trying to be hockey fans here you know <laughs> and uh and of course go breton flats was a huge one that that whole saga of falling through and who knows that's going to go now um yeah it, it, it's really all tracing back to milk like, well i guess except for the uber yeah. thing but yeah it, it, this yeah it, there, there's there's so much weird stuff happening with sense and it, it, it's just it's just a circus and circuses are fun I, but like yeah we're, 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 this is a hockey team not a not a not a clown show so. yeah i was literally about to say it's a circus and like there's just so many sideshows that it, it's hard to keep track and yeah there <laughs> it, it, it's wild about how many how many things you can talk about regarding the team that aren't even necessarily about the the on ice product um, but yeah, anyway, that's, that's enough for the, the biggest negatives from this season. Um, I wanted to talk about some Sens awards for this season. So I had an article last week talking about who I should give certain awards. So like the heart, um, the Bing, the Selkie, like most improved, biggest disappointment, stuff like that. 
Um, obviously, like I couldn't, or it would be really obvious for certain ones like the uh, like Rock Richard or or um, uh, Vezina or, or whatever and stuff like that. That's yeah. so there's only like a couple options or one option. Um, so yeah, we'll go through some of them. Um, I will say the the player that I put in the article, and and we'll see if uh, if you have anyone different. So for the heart for for MVP, I had Thomas Shabbat. Do you agree with that one? Oh, hundred percent. Shabbat yeah. was yeah the the best player on the team, um, aside from those who were traded. And uh, yeah, he, he he he's such a great player. Yeah, yeah. there was some. It, it ended up switching back to Shabbat, but originally when I put that to Twitter, the majority had said Kachuk, um, which I found interesting, but then it, it ended up being like maybe 60% um, Shabbat. So um, yeah, next one, most improved, which I mean, that's not an actual word, but I just wanted to put it in there. I had Dylan DeMello just because I I, I think he, you know, I thought of him as a, as a third pairing defenseman, but he proved that he could, he might not necessarily be a f- first pairing defenseman, but he can at least play there, if that makes any sense. Um, so yeah, I was happily surprised with his development there, like we were saying earlier. And I don't know, I, I disagree with this one. I keep going back to Shabbat. I, I just think that um, yeah, that's fair. What what he's able to do this season, um, with, with the limited, <laughs> just just the limitations he had around him was uh, fantastic, and at such a young age. And I mean, it's also like for most improved, like he, it's not that he was a bad player last season, but he just seemed very raw and it was very green and had a lot more room to grow. And, uh, uh, and I mean, his, his results grew. And mm-hmm. so I, I put him as since most improved player. Yeah. I mean, I probably could put him there too, but I also just felt more obliged to put a different name rather than Shabbat in the post. For sure, so yeah. yeah, fair enough. Um, biggest disappointment. I had Mikkel Bodker, um, and you know, we were talking about him earlier. So yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. And shout out to Marion Gabrick. <laughs> Who, totally uh, forgot he existed. <laughs> yes, and I think Dorian did as well at some points. But <laughs> uh, the reason I mentioned him was just because at the beginning of the season, I kind of I, I thought he was going to play at least a little bit. Like, yeah. like uh, then he, then it's, it was announced he, was, he had an injury, and it was announced that he was going to uh, undergo I think surgery on something, and then um, it just kept being pushed back and pushed back to the point where he just didn't play a single game this season. So. Um, I don't know. It would have been neat to see Mary Gabrick suit up in a Senate jersey for more than uh, yeah. I don't know, six, 16 games it was, but who knows? Maybe he'll be back next season. I don't know. But uh, he, yeah. he's, he's 37 at this point. It's basically a salary dump. So um, Pretty much, yeah. I, I, I would be kind of surprised if we do see him. Um, but yeah. Most exciting prospect. I So I'll say Drake Batherson. I'll give my rationale here. I think that I mean, I, I, I think it's pretty much down to these two guys. And for me, I would just say Batherson only because Ottawa doesn't really have that many top uh, wing prospects. And their their depth chart on the right side looks pretty putrid right now. So I'm just really excited to see Drake Batherson because I think he's going to get a shot in the top six right away next year. So I, uh, yeah, like I'm just excited to see what he can do right away. And I think he could, like, there's a chance he could have 50 points next season right away. So, um, yeah, I'm excited about that. And I, as much as I love Bathurst and Drake the Snake, I I, I got to disagree here. I think uh, Eric Brandstrom is the most exciting prospect in the Sens system right now. And, of course, like, he wasn't here for the entire season, of course. He came over the trade deadline. But mm-hmm. um, just 
if there's one player in the Sun system that I, I'd be most confident in being a top player at his position in the league, I'd, I'd say without a doubt it'd be Brandstrom. He just has that elite upside. Um, he, there, there's, there's, there's really nothing to dislike about his game. He, he's, he's fantastic offensively. Um, he's really been sharpening his, his uh, two-way skills as well. Um, yeah, I, I, of course, he'll, he'll be given every opportunity in the world to step into the next season's roster, even with the West side as packed as it is, um, or at least hopefully. But uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, they're, they're both, I, I agree, they're definitely the one-two at, at the top. Yeah, um, I don't think anyone else really comes close in that regard. Maybe Logan Brown, but uh, yeah, I, I'm just, it, it, yeah, Branson's the guy that I'm picking here. Yeah, no, that's fair too. I very excited for Branstrom. Um, I think it, if he, uh, you know, if he doesn't turn out quite as well as we thought, then at least it softens the blow. Just the fact that we do have. Um, God, I can't say we. Ottawa has Shabbat and uh, Wolanin and even Lejoie on the left side. Um, as for the, the Bing, um, Magnus Pajarvi had six penalty minutes this year. So, I mean, honestly, like, <laughs> that's pretty much the only criteria I have. And no one else had fewer penalty minutes in as many games as he had. Yeah, I mean, easy agree there. Yep. Um, the Selkie, I had... Colin White on Micah Blake McCurdy's site. He had White as the only player with a positive defensive impact um, besides Stone. Uh, I don't think Duchesne or Dzingel did either. But yeah, so I thought it's pretty much between him and Pajot. But I, it looked like there was a slight edge for White. But I could totally see the argument for Pajot as well. And the reason I, I I choose Pajot over White, and I think that's because um, I, I like to take I like to take uh, penalty kill impact into account. And I think Pajot's that's fair, yeah. Impact there just was 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 so large that uh, um, that I think he, uh, of course I I've, I've been very happy with how White's performed this season defensively. Um, although uh, yeah, I'll go with Pajot. And of course we hope Stone leads it league wide, but wins it league wide. But uh, mm-hmm. that, that's totally separate from this. So. Yeah. And then the lastly the fan favorite. Brady Kachuk, I don't think there's really any argument for anybody else, honestly. Yeah, Brady Kachuk, easy. Yeah, he was just awesome uh, interacting with the fans, and he's uh, he's going to be beloved for a long time, you know, and until he's uh, reaches age 26 and becomes too expensive. <laughs> All right, um, so there's one little piece of news that's kind of unfortunate this season, uh, or just from this past week. Uh, the Senators they had an incredible run in the second half of the year. I think they had like an 18-game point streak is incredible but uh it came down to this last week it was them versus the cleveland monsters for the final playoff spot in the north division um tied in the final day and unfortunately they just didn't, couldn't come through um so bevel senators season cut short uh not in a playoff spot this year um just not what you're we hoping for yeah it's a bit unfortunate um yeah, man the last day of the season i was pretty damn confident they were going to make it um but they just they really did not play well at all on the last game of the year. I was, I was watching about half of it and yeah, they just came up just short. Um, but at the same time, it, it's still a, a good step for, uh, for Belleville and they might take a step back next year just because a lot of them are going to be graduating, but yeah, like they, they played an important game. So, um, even if they didn't make the playoffs, you can't be too upset. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it was good to see so much growth from them this year and, uh, yeah. 
from so many guys that we already talked about earlier. Um, but yeah, I think you mentioned this, but uh, um, Spencer Blake, right to Silver and Seven Sons, also um, talks about this. Is like they've been playing meaningful games for like the past six weeks, basically. Yeah. Like, like they've been in the playoff hunt for um, like for yeah for, for that long, just because uh, uh, at the beginning of the season they, they, they were like near last in the league. So um, it's good to see that the players really stepped it up, at least for uh, that uh, near the end of the season. Unfortunate that he couldn't make it, but. Uh, yeah, it's good, some good experience for them. For sure. So the last segment of the show, we're just going to go over some listener questions. Um, there were a decent amount of them, so we'll try to get through those quickly. Um, so we solicited them from our Cost for Pointcast Twitter account, which you can follow at CP Pointcast. Um, but so let's uh, we can alternate these ones here. So first is from friend of the show, Ross, at uh, sheer underscore Rossiness. Uh, from Silver Seven Sands. Uh, so he says, for Colin, what recording of a jazz standard has your favorite percussion solo intro? And then for me, he says, who or what is going to replace Paper Mark Stone in your life? Uh, I'll, you can go for the first one. I mean, yeah, it's not hockey related, but a personal favorite of mine, um, Tony Williams on Melvin's Davis's Seven Steps to Heaven. Um, not too well versed in jazz standards, but that's just one that I kind of like. Okay. Um, for me... For anyone who doesn't know, um, I have a like a stick figure Mark Stone thing that is made out of uh, it was like a plastic spoon and like cardboard and stuff, and I uh, <laughs> just like printed out uh, Sen's jersey and like Mark Stone's head and stuff. So it's just like this like puppet type thing, and uh, <laughs> I brought him around like Europe and stuff a couple years ago. Um, brought him on a few vacations, just you know, silly pictures, just like taking. Uh, pictures with him at like famous locations around Europe um, but yeah so obviously now they just traded um, I don't know replace him I mean if, if I was going to do one player it would have to be Kachuk so you know maybe I'll do that I, I am going to Europe this summer so uh, you know if I if I have an afternoon to to make one of those maybe I'll do that um, do you want to take the next one yeah, this one's from, from Kelly at That Hockey Glass. With the season finally over, what are your favorite meme-worthy moments from this year? If you don't laugh, we'll cry. Um, I mean, the, the Sens digital team, they, they always hit it out of the park. Uh, yeah. My personal favorite was uh, the road trip and series. I don't know. That was kind of just... Yes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, bless Craig Vidalia and uh, <laughs> and everybody there. A-plus content, but uh, road tripping. If you haven't checked it out, um, just search it on the Sens Twitter page. It's, 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 worth, it's worth a watch. Yeah, it's on their Instagram as well. Um, for me, just honestly, like I think Capital Gains had had a lot of uh, memes from the Uber video, so I think the the Uber stuff just was some some comedy gold. Yeah, Gainsy hit it out of the park this year. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, take the next one um, from Carter Coke. He says, "I mean, this was five days ago now, but he says, who was your pick to win the Stanley Cup? For me, it was Tampa. Yeah, God, uh you go first. I, I need to think about it for a second. I mean, my pick was Tampa. I actually had Tampa-Calgary in the finals, and that Same. was not panning out well. Yeah. Uh, I, I, for, uh, I don't know, I, I'm a bit of a blues bandwagoner. I, I, I like their team. So, Me too. Uh, I'll pick them. I don't know why, but just like mm. the team. Yeah. I, uh, man, this is tough. I don't know. I'll go Vegas. I... <laughs> No confidence whatsoever in that pick, but I'll, I'll go with Vegas. Uh, they got a pretty deep lineup. Yeah. Um, okay, you want you can take the next one. Uh, this one's from Daniel Bruce. 
Uh, which middle tier prospects are you guys most excited about? It's ah. a good question. Yeah, I really like Angus Crookshank. I don't know if you were going to say that one, but uh, Crookshank had a really good season. Um, he was in, I want to say, it was University of New Hampshire. So he ended with uh, 23 points in 36 games. And yeah, like that's, he took the jump from uh, Junior A, so the BCHL, the Langley Rivermen. And yeah, like the, it was a, a solid season for a freshman. And, uh, you know, he's a fifth round pick. And I'm really excited to see if he, uh, you know, can take the next step in his uh, sophomore season as well. For sure. I think he's definitely the most underrated prospect. But that's for my favorite middle tier prospect. I got to go with Joey Decord. I don't know if you put him in the top tier yet. But, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I just I, I'm just really enamored with his play. And, and I'm really curious to see how it's going to transition to the pro level. Uh, a couple runners up. I think Jonathan Davidson needs to get some more love. He can make the NHL team next year. Honestly, he was. Yeah, close he almost Columbus. made Columbus. Yeah, and uh, um, I don't know. I, I, I guess Alex Formington is still a middle-tier prospect, maybe? He's not really yet. Not uh, there's not some really people, yet. though, who think he's, like, the number one prospect. Yeah. I, I, which I disagree with. It's the same here, but uh, if you consider him a middle-tier prospect, just, just for the speed factor, he's just so exciting to watch. So. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's good to have that uh, a good group of, of middle-tier prospects who uh, hopefully one or two or, or more of them end up panning out. So Yeah. Um, so let's take another one here. So from at Ottawa send 65, he says, which coach would be the best fit for Ottawa next year? Um, I'll, uh, let you go first with this one. Um, Hmm. I, I'm not actually too sure about names. Um, I'll, I'll have to see who they come up in the interview process. Yeah. Um, but I mean, just, just as for criteria, like it needs to be someone who will be like, have lots of patience with the rookies. Um, totally. Maybe, maybe Troy man fits that. Um, Although uh, I'm, I'm sure they'll take a look at candidates outside of uh, of uh, the Sens organization, but I hope, I hope they take some looks at guys outside of the NHL, like in NCAA yeah. or junior, um, just so they give due diligence, due diligence, and they just don't keep recycling the same guys. Because we've already started, yes. we've already started to see that in some coaching hirings this year with uh, um, guys like Elaine Vigneault Vigneau being hired. Like, yeah. good thing that Sens didn't jump on that, and and yeah, that was a, thanks. I mean, good thing. I think it looks like he, he pretty much priced himself out of the sentence too anyway. So, <laughs> um, yeah, if, I mean, that's a good thing. If, if they're going outside the league, giving someone their first coaching gig, it's uh, also not going to be the um, most expensive contract and something that the sentence can probably stomach. So, Well, I do I do wonder, like, how much Sheldon Keefe would cost because I've been on that train for a long time. Yeah. Um, there's a couple factors. I mean, I don't know if he's willing to even go to the Senators organization, even if he's being offered a head coaching position. Um, you know, he's been with the Marlies for a while now. So, yeah, I don't know. And, and I don't know how much he would cost. I mean, the fact that, you know, he hasn't had an NHL position, so he can't be that much. Um, but, yeah, like someone like him, he's, um, you know, been behind the bench for, with some uh, some really impressive Marlies team. So, um I'm sure I, Leafs, yeah, I'm sure the Leafs are paying him watch just to keep him around, though. Probably that that's the only thing. So I don't know. I have no idea if if he's even going to be an option or not. But um, yeah, he definitely intrigues me. All right, next question comes from Matthew. Uh, who from this year's Belleville team will be in Ottawa next year? I mean, first most obvious one is Drake Batherson, just because they don't really have anybody on the right side. Um, I would be, yeah, I, I, 
would assume that Brandstrom will be there as well from the beginning. He, he might spend some time in the AHL in Belleville. Sort of um, like what Shabbat did. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think he'll spend the majority of next season in Ottawa. Um, and I, then, I, I, I don't know, he... there, there's guys like Brown and Schlopik who, I don't know, It it's hard to say. It really depends on what uh, veteran free agents they sign this, mm-hmm. this offseason because it sounds like they're going to make one or two signings at least. Yeah. Um, a couple other names to throw in there. Uh, Rudolf Spelsers uh, played with the team down the stretch. Uh, same yeah. thing with Christian Mulgannon. Um, I also wonder if Nick Powell will be given a full-time spot next year. Um, he could be a candidate for that. Um, and I guess the more long shots, I guess, are Philip Schlappick and Logan Brown. And I think that depends a lot more on where they bring back guys like Payrv, Winberg, or uh, Gibbons. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's good that there's um, quite a few names that will uh, that could be given some good shots next year. Um, yeah, I mean, oh, on, uh, sorry, no, go ahead. Also, might depend on what the coach thinks or. Uh, uh, if you're actually willing to play them, but uh, yeah, we'll have to see. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, Belleville probably won't be as good next year, but I mean, that's that's fine if if uh, the Senators team is is going to be a lot better too. Well, not a lot better, but a bit better. Um, next one comes in from Trevor Lackey. He says, "What bad contracts will we take on for first round picks, or what else can we get for bad contracts to make it worth worth it to us? Would love to squeeze Oilers for Evan Bouchard." Yeah, I, I don't feel like. Bouchard's someone that I would be willing to give up. Maybe, no. maybe, maybe uh, yeah, maybe Jesse Poliarvi is, is another long shot, but uh, um, I mean, who knows with Edmonton really? But I mean, Milan Lucic would be a good target if Edmonton does uh, is willing to give up like a first round pick or or, yeah. um, or another like top prospect or something. They like might. That. They're desperate. Um, another couple guys to look for maybe Brent Seabrook on Chicago, um, David Backus on Boston. I think with these guys that they all have almost all of them have at least a limited no trade clause. Some have full no movement clauses, and like Ottawa is not really a destination that players want to go to right now, like at yeah. all. So um, unless it's a guy like um, like uh, what's it? we we already talked about him. What about uh, Louis Louis Erickson? Um, I mean he's he's still a useful player. Um, well, of, of course, twenty nine points. <laughs> of course, he's overpaid, but yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm pretty sure he still also has a, a no movement clause. He has uh, no trade clause, not yeah, a no movement clause. A limited no trade clause, yeah. Uh, 15 team, no trade list, but it begins in 2020. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, or yeah, but he still has a full no trade clause right now, though, which prevents him from all 30 teams. So, um, Does it? Yeah. Okay, uh, I see. So unfortunately, that's kind of the case with lots of these uh, yeah. um, big contracts. But uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I, hopefully, Ottawa can compose something like that. I'm not. Uh, I would love for them to do that. Yeah. I mean, even if they got like a second or like a B level prospect, like I would love that. Mm-hmm. And uh, last question, uh, coming from Scott Crossman: uh, When the team gets reasonably good again, how are you going to reconcile the fact that our high end talent will once again be augmented by lower and cheap character players? In hopes of, of that, they can get lucky in a playoff run again. Will the frustration take hold, or are you in? This is a bit uh, of a dark question, but uh, I don't know. What do you think? Oh, I mean, I don't know. It. I mean, this is pretty much asking, like, are you going to be all in, with if even though Melnick is, is still the owner? And it's... It'll be like a um, cautiously optimistic kind of kind of situation where 
you know, if they if they end up having a lot of good young players, that's a good thing, no matter who the owner is. Um, so, and then you just got kind of got to hope that uh, that Melnick sells the team. Um, but yeah, like I I wouldn't be surprised at all if they if they do get those you know quote unquote character players. Um, yeah, I. Yeah, if, if if I understand the the bigger question right, I think it's asking like kind of what what is our tipping point with this team? And yeah. I mean, truthfully, I, I I don't know, and I I say that truthfully. Like we we've, we've gone through, <laughs> like Carlson's exactly. gone, Stone is gone. We've gone through some treacherous moments. I don't think there is a tipping point. Uh, the, the Weeks one tonight. We're living in the darkest timeline, essentially. Exactly. So like, like I can't imagine it getting any worse. Although, you know, now that I said that, it's going to get worse. But I think it's going to get 100 times worse, yes. Yeah, just like the Bonk Smollett's tweet. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. It's just, I, I can't mu- see myself just completely giving up. It's just, And if a fan wants to do that, by all means, I'm, I'm not going to blame them because it's it's been pretty, dre- pretty dreadful. But at least for me, and I'm assuming for you too, it, there isn't really much of a... Um, a tipping point just because i know that when they are good again it's gonna be so satisfying yeah and i keep telling myself there's gonna be a tipping point and for me i think a big part of that was during the randy Wee allegations just because they crossed me morally like and that, that's a big that's a big crop like moral like they, they really crossed a line there and uh, yeah i don't know I'm, I'm still uh podcasting about the sun still writing about the sun so i really exactly. don't know like it, it's, it, it, there's always that hope that the team will be good again, and that's yeah, always, of course, it's, it's always gonna be in the back of my mind. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's a blessing and a curse at the same time. And I guess that's what we signed up for as uh, being sports fans in the first place. But yeah, uh, I mean, hey, Colin could easily have three first round draft picks next year. You know, <laughs> start of the rebuild. Yeah, I, I mean, I, look, look, I'm not denying that the Sens are are could be good again. And even even under Eugene Melnick, I feel like the Suns could make the playoffs under Eugene Melnick again. And I don't. I, I hope hopefully that's not a controversial statement, just because like they've they've done it in the past, right? But uh, um, yeah, like it's it's it, again, it's it's it, they're, they're never going to be able to find that long term success and that sustainability of organization, and it's always going to be frustrating. So, I mean. We we all yeah. There, there's really only the one um, answer to all of this going forward, which is for Melnick to sell. But it's just a matter of um, how long that will happen, and uh, hopefully that set things. Hopefully that sets things around the right track. Yeah, totally agree. Um, okay, so to finish it off, let's uh, just give me one short sentence to describe this season for Ottawa, and then we'll sign off. We're a team, and that'll do it. As I wrap it up, reminder that you can find the Cost for Pointcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on those pl- platforms as well. You can also follow me on Twitter at ShaqTS and read my articles at HockeyBuzz.com. And you can follow Colin on Twitter at CudmoreColin and read his articles at Silver7Sends. And we also have a Cost for Pointcast Twitter account, which you can follow at CPPointcast. If you have any suggestions for future episodes or questions you want answered, let us know. That's all for today. Adios. Adios.